are on air right now for Fan Racing's NASCAR Weekend Preview with Hot Topic Sound Off. Joining me for tonight's show is our co-host, Jay Hughesman. Welcome to the show, Jay. Thank you, Sharon. That was almost immediately right on cue, wasn't it? <laughs> it was. I kind of hesitated there for a second to make sure you were on. But, yeah. <laughs> okay. So, uh, definitely looking forward to our uh, preview of uh, the Arkham Menard Series and the Arca East at Iowa Speedway uh, this weekend. It's the only racing that's taking on taking place uh, in NASCAR because uh, NASCAR's top three series are actually on break for the Olympic Games these next two weeks. Yeah, it's going to be a little tough. Uh, I know the drivers, they're all excited. They plan their vacations around that. But uh, for us fans and for us uh, covering this uh, sport, a little bit of a break. I'm not going to say bad, but uh, maybe could have done without two either way. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll we'll take care of our uh, preview uh, in that first half hour when we talk about the Arkham Menard Series in Arca East. We'll be able to kind of take our time. We won't be rushing through it. So we'll give it uh, some really good quality time uh, during this first half hour. In the second half hour, uh, we're going to go ahead and do the uh, top three series along with the ARCA West. We'll give you uh, a few news updates uh, that are happening in all of those series, uh, as well as maybe just a reminder of where everybody is in points and all of those things. Um, 9.30, we start our Hot Topic Sound Off. And uh, we'll have a full hour again tonight to talk about the hot topics that are taking place during this uh, break period for the NASCAR series. And there is a few newsworthy items uh, for us to talk about on hot topics tonight. There most certainly is. Uh, I know we had a couple of them come out today. Still a couple little carryover from the weekend and a little more information as those dominoes start to lean. We haven't seen about but one fall, one or two fall now, I guess. But you still got a couple of that are that are leaning. <laughs> We're waiting to fall. Yes, and hopefully uh, that will happen sooner rather than later. Uh, okay, so let's go ahead and get started. We mentioned that uh, the Olympic break is taking place uh, the next two weeks, uh, so NASCAR is going to take those two weeks off. Uh, but Arkham Menard Series is still racing both race weekends, and the race this weekend is a big one because you not only have the Arkham Menard Series racing at Iowa Speedway for the Shore Lunch 150, but the Arca East will be there as well. Both series will be racing for points and for the championship. So this is going to be huge. It will be broadcast on Mad TV. And uh, it's going to be a lot of fun to talk about it here tonight. Uh, one of my favorite races of the entire year is the race at Iowa Speedway in the Arkham Menard Series. Uh, that yeah, race will again, take place it, Saturday. I'm sorry. <laughs> I was going to say, I know, I know it's one of your favorite, and it, it is really important for Iowa Speedway uh, to maintain, I don't know how to say it, maintain relevance. There's still the hope that the NASCAR top three series return there in some form or fashion. So to maintain what they've got, 
uh, at least keeps them relevant and in the hunt for uh, for races down the road as NASCAR again looks to what they're going to do with their schedule. I know we heard the truck series, uh, somebody gave a shout-out to them, said they'd rather be there than where they were at. Uh, so we'll see how mm-hmm. that comes into play in the following <laughs> years. Yeah, I think that was Sheldon Creed, in fact. Okay. Uh, the uh, yes, it was. One- <laughs> the Shore Lunch 150 will take place at Iowa Speedway on Saturday, July the 24th at 8 p.m. Central, 9 p.m. Eastern. And, again, it will be televised on MAV-TV. But if you're an NBC Sports Gold Track Pass member, you can also watch live streaming there. As well as, for those folks that don't have either, you can go to ArcaRacing.com and listen to the radio there and follow along with what's happening at the track at Race Central. So uh, definitely a lot of ways for fans to see what's happening uh, on this race. This is a point zero, I'm sorry, .875 mile paved oval. They will be racing 150 laps to cover a distance of 132 miles. Now, Saturday, there will be practice at 4.15 p.m. Qualifying will take place at 6 p.m. And the race, again, at 8 p.m. Those are central times, so you'll have to adjust for Eastern and uh, the other time zones. Uh, so let's go ahead and get into this one because, uh, again, it's one of my favorites. I love the fact that you've got two series uh, competing with each other on the same track, and uh, this is for bragging rights. Well, and one one thing there, Sharon, correct me if I'm wrong, I don't know if you mentioned it, it is a, a points race for both series, but it also counts then into the Sioux Chief Short Track Showdown, uh, if I'm not mistaken. So it's actually going to be credited uh, for the for some of the guys in three different point standings. Okay. Uh, I wasn't aware of that, but I'm looking through the notes here just to make sure I didn't miss something. Because it, it, shows it, it shows it under the Sioux Chief Showdown, under the uh, Arkham Menards East, and the main Arkham Menards series, all three. Oh, okay. Okay, well, that's cool. We'll take it. So that, that yeah, um, that, that, I mean, there's a lot on the line then. Like I said, you're getting points for three different series, depending on what you're chasing. Absolutely. That's a big oversight on my part, so I apologize for that. Uh, but, yeah, that is... Uh, that is uh, awesome that it counts for three different series. Uh, it doesn't get much better than that. So these guys have a lot on the line because you're going to get triple the points uh, in, when you think about the three different series that points are being accumulated in. And two drivers are standing out in, in uh, some of those series. So let's go ahead and talk about that. Okay, are you under are you under the um, pit box? Is that where you're going from? Well, yeah, um, it doesn't start out with that. But uh, the Arkham Menard series uh, first uh, became the racing series to compete at what was a brand new Iowa Speedway. And can you believe it's been 15 years, Jay? No, that that really did uh, kind of catch me off guard. Um, and that tradition will continue with this shore lunch 
150. As you said, it had been 15 years since the first racing series to compete at what was then branded uh, brand new Iowa Speedway. Now, with the exception of 2014, the .875 mile oval in Newton, Iowa, known as the fastest short track on the planet, has appeared on the Arkham Menard schedule every year since, and that tradition will continue here in 2021. Saturday night shore launch, lunch, lunch. <laughs> uh, 150 marks the first of three Arkham Menard series in Arca East combination events this season. The drivers who entered will receive points for both of those series. So tickets uh, for Saturday night's race are still available, and uh, fans in the local area can visit any Menard store in Iowa to receive $5 off the price of an upper grandstand ticket. So that's pretty cool. We've seen that. Uh, Menards does such a great deal with promoting and, and supporting uh, the series as well as other stuff within NASCAR. They have been a great race supporter overall. Now, Iowa Speedway strikes that perfect blend of fun and challenging for drivers who compete on its progressively banked oval. The track's design promotes passing even through its, even though its configuration is so unique. And that's exactly how Rusty Wallace, the NASCAR Hall of Famer and 1989 Cup Series champion who helped design the track in the mid-2000, envisioned racing on that circuit. And I believe there's an interview or an article up with him on the uh, home page yeah. as he's going to be, him and Joe Gibbs are going to headline Saturday's pre-race activities. So a big tie-in to Rusty Wallace there as he was part of that, as they said, the design and initial uh, building of Iowa Speedway. Absolutely, and uh, that's a do-not-miss article to catch. Uh, They did a great interview, and they will be at the track uh, for fans on uh, Saturday's, for Saturday's race. Now, Count Ty Gibbs among the Arkham and Art Series drivers who love racing at Iowa, and judging by his victory at the track last season, the 17-year-old who leads the series and laps led this year is back for this year's race at Iowa. This is where his grandfather and team owner, Joe Gibbs, will be in attendance to offer the pre-race invocation. So you're going to get to see Rusty Wallace and Joe Gibbs this weekend. Gibbs, though, of course, Ty Gibbs, though, will be fighting history as he tries to repeat as the defending winner at Iowa. That's right. The Arkham Menard Series has raced at Iowa 14 times, dating back to 2006, and produced 14 different winners. Nobody has won multiple Arkham Menard Series races at that track, let alone gone back-to-back. Now, still, Gibbs will see his experience of winning at Iowa as an asset as he tries to close the gap to or even surpass points leader Corey Heim in the championship standings. We're at the halfway point of the season, and Heim has a five-point edge on Gibbs, even though he has one fewer victory. He's got four, and his rival, uh, Ty Gibbs, has five. That's right. But there's many drivers to watch Saturday night at Iowa that are not named Heim or Gibbs. Now, Daniel Dye proved yet that much, at least, last week when he dominated at Berlin Raceway for his very first Arkham Menard Series win in just his second start in the series. 
Now, Di will race again at Iowa, as will Taylor Gray, Jesse Love, Nick Sanchez, the drivers who finished fourth through sixth, respectively, behind Gibbs, who finished second, and Heim, who finished third last week. So there's some other drivers that are going to be there as well. They will be joined in the field uh, at Iowa by some uh, drivers not taking that time off. we got NASCAR Camping World Truck Series part-timers, Drew Dollars and Brett Holmes, the latter of whom is the defending Arkham Menard Series champion in Holmes. And he finished third in last year's Shore Lunch 150 at Iowa. Now, because uh, Saturday's race is an AMS, which is the Arkham Menard Series, and an E-Series combination event, Plus, here we got it, the fifth round of the 2021 Sioux Chief Showdown. East Series points leader Sammy Smith will also join Gibbs as Joe Gibbs Racing entries in the field this weekend at Iowa. Okay, some other East Series regulars include Mason Diaz, Joey East, uh, Max Gutierrez, Raja Karuth. They're all going to be in the field as well. So we can go through uh, the entire entry list here uh, and just let you know all of the drivers that will be competing in the Shore Lunch 150 on Saturday will go bottom up, Jay, two by two. Okay, I was looking to get to the bottom, 22, 24. I'm counting 24. So I'll start with the 01 Hillenburg-owned Toyota with Mike Schroof as the crew chief. Stephanie Moyer going to be that driver out of Shepton, Pennsylvania. Then you mentioned Sammy Smith in the 81. He's going to be in a Gibbs Toyota with Jamie Jones as his crew chief. And Sammy Smith, hometown, if you will, Johnston, Iowa is his uh, hometown. Who did you have driving that car? Uh, Sammy Smith is who's listed in it in the 81. No, I mean in the 01. I'm sorry. Uh, it's, uh, it's Stephanie Moyer. Oh, okay. Yeah, I don't think you said Stephanie Moyer. <laughs> I was like, who? Um, yeah, you said somebody else. I don't know why. But okay. Oh, okay. Sorry. <laughs> okay, so uh and then in the seventy four will be Mason Diaz from Manassas, Virginia. Uh he'll be driving the uh the Toyota for Marie Benevento and uh, Tommy Baldwin will be his crew chief. Can't ask for a better crew chief than that. And then also in the number 54 uh, is going for David Gilliland Racing will be Joey East from Madera, California, driving at Ford for that team. Uh, the crew chief has not yet been announced. And the number 50, it's not one I recall seeing before, a Cody Ifa Chevrolet with Morgan Alexander as a driver coming out of Griffin, Georgia. And then we have a series regular, the 48. That'll be Brad Smith out of Shelby Township, Michigan, in the cell phone Brad Smith Chevrolet with Jeff Smith as the crew chief. And the number 50 is another one that doesn't have a crew chief announced yet. Yes. Okay. And the number 46 from Trinity, North Carolina, uh, for Johnny Gray, um, is Thad Moffat, the grandson of the king. Uh, he will be driving a Ford, and Derek Smith will be his crew chief. In the number 42 is Connor Jones from Fredericksburg, Virginia. 
He'll be driving the Jones Utility Chevrolet for Bruce Cook. And Amber Slagle is the crew chief. She raced uh, a few weeks back, and now she's going to be on top of the pit box. Now, that's interesting. And for fans that like a surprise, we have another Bruce Cook Chevrolet, the number 41, Sean Samuels, uh, crew chiefing. But we don't know who the driver is yet. So that could be interesting uh, when they announce that, who they put in that number 41 machine. Then we got Max Gutierrez. We've talked about him as, for several reasons, coming out of Mexico City, Mexico. He'll be in the Mark Rett number 34, and Rett will be doing the crew chief duties. Okay, from Ottawa, Illinois, in the number 27, is Tim Richmond in the Latino Immigration and Legal Center PC Chevrolet. David Richmond is the team owner. Alex Club is on the pit box. Uh, Kevin Reed will be on the pit box for the Venturini Toyota, number 25, uh, with Jesse Love behind the wheel. He hails from Redwood City, California. When we've all heard the name Shane Huffman, he's the crew chief for the Stacy Holmes, Brett Holmes-driven number 23 Chevrolet coming out of Mumford, Alabama. And then we mentioned this, Daniel Dye, uh, Dillon, Florida driver for Barry Golliger, GMS Racing Chevrolet. And oops, something popped up on me. Chad Bryant is the crew chief there on that number 21. Yes, we had hoped to have done Daniel on the show tonight, but uh, unfortunately he had a death in the family, and uh, we're going to be rescheduling him uh, for an upcoming episode. So stay tuned for that. Uh, we were really hoping to chat with him, but given the circumstances, uh, we certainly understand and offer our condolences. Yes, indeed. Uh, okay. Also in the number 20 for Venturini Motorsports is Corey Heim from Marietta, Georgia. He'll be driving that Craftsman Toyota uh, for Billy Venturini with Shannon Roosh as his crew chief. Then we've talked about him a lot, and there's a reason for it. The number 18, Ty Gibbs, in a Coy Gibbs JGR Racing Toyota with Mark McFarland on the crew chief. He's coming out of Huntersville, North Carolina. And then out of Denver, North Carolina, there comes the 17 of Taylor Gray, which is a David Gill and Ford with Chad Johnston, another well-known crew chief name, on the crew box. Okay, we mentioned it earlier in the number 15 for Billy Venturini. Uh, for Bill Venturini is uh, Drew Dower from Atlanta, Georgia. He'll be driving that Sunbelt rental Toyota with Billy Venturini on top of the pit box. And Tony Constantino will be the crew chief for his own number 12 for Andy Hillenberg, um, or Michelle Hillensburg. He hails from Mansfield, Ohio. And he'll be driving the number 12 Fast Track High Performance Racing Toyota. Well, the track is south of where I'm from, and this driver, Bryce Haugberg, comes from Westmeath, West Fargo, North Dakota. And he'll be in the number 11 Chevrolet for Andy Hillenberg. Steve Barton, uh, the crew chief on the Magnum Contracting Machine. And then a regular D.L. Wilson. He'll be in the number 10. Chevrolet for Hillenburg, Dick Dohaney as the crew chief. D.L. Wilson hails from Mart, Texas. We've got the north and the south covered. 
<laughs> yes, indeed. Driving the number seven is Eric Cardell from Piedmont, Oklahoma. He'll be uh, uh, in driving for his own race team, and Jeremy Petty is his crew chief. Then it'll be Glenn Parker on top of the next uh, pit box for Raja Karuth, who is behind the wheel of the number six uh, Rev Racing Chevrolet. He hails from Washington, D.C. And another Rev Racing machine will be the number two of Nick Sanchez coming out of Miami, Florida. That's in the Max Siegel Incorporated Special Smile Chevrolet and Steve Plattenberger, the crew chief for Sanchez. Okay. And uh, we mentioned it earlier. There's three different series on the line here in this race, so that's why I think we have so many drivers uh, who are entered in this event. And so you definitely want to stay tuned uh, to see how this turns out. Uh, again, it's on MAV TV Motorsports Network. It's also live streamed on Track Pass for NBC Gold uh, members. And you can go to racing, com and follow along with the radio coverage there along with Race Central. So uh, that uh, is going to be a lot of fun, and uh, that race never disappoints. Uh, most certainly not, and I am so impressed uh, this year with it, with it being the triple for points, uh, three different series, two series, but then also the Sioux Chief Showdown points, which we've seen a lot of different drivers being entered in. going to make that one even more exciting, and I think the intensity may just get ramped up just a touch. Well, let's start with the Sioux Chief Showdown points uh, and just remind fans just how tight this battle is. Okay, a couple of drivers at the top. Names are going to be familiar. Ty Gibbs, uh, 168 points. we got four starts. He's got two wins, <clears throat> a second and a fourth, uh, so all four in the top five. Corey Heim is second at 163, five points back. He has one win, one second, one third, uh, lacking just a touch. So he's only got three of the four races in the top five, but all four in the top ten. Then we drop back Nick Sanchez is at 156. And then Thad Moffitt at 147. And Owen Smith in fifth at 123. So 45-point gap there. Those four drivers, along with it, actually it looks like Brad Smith in seventh. Uh, the five, six drivers then who have made all four starts. In between there is Jesse Love, only having made three starts. And then Alex Club also with three starts, 101. Tony Constantino's got three starts. And then we mentioned that that was through 10th. 11th, Daniel Dye has two starts but a win, so he's up to 11th now. Okay, so that's pretty cool. He won last week at Berlin Speedway, and I don't think anybody was more surprised than he was, Jay. Or, yeah, Jay, I got it right. <laughs> uh, no, you know, I know that they always have the confidence, um, but you are going up. And, and I know uh, hopefully we get that reschedule you mentioned. Uh, when we do, we'll, we'll get to talk to him about that uh, driver that can talk exactly about having a, a top driver like that. Although he belongs in the Arkham Menard series, we've seen Ty Gibbs winning at the Xfinity series well as well. 
to be able to beat a driver like that, and I saw the tweet from Ty Gibbs. He said, we got outrun. You know, what a boost that has to be to that team with Daniel Dye. Absolutely. Absolutely. And he did a fantastic job of racing a very talented uh, race car driver. So I think that proves that uh, even though Ty Gibbs has been dominating this season, he's not infallible. And uh, anybody can win this week at Iowa Speedway. And the other thing I think we got to factor in, I know we talked about it. There's been some, uh, how do you want to call it, uh, disagreement over uh, on-track space between Ty Gibbs and Corey Heim. Uh, you know, if they're looking yeah. at the championship down the road, they got to be real careful and be able to maybe set that aside because uh, we talked about this. If they get to uh, really pushing hard and racing each other, somebody else is going to capitalize when they both take each other out, and you couldn't see their points lead evaporate altogether. That is an excellent point. Uh, and, uh, you know, these guys are pretty young, and that's kind of a tough lesson to learn sometimes, uh, you know, for the younger drivers. But the sooner they learn that lesson, and learn how to set aside those kinds of things and move on, um, the better it's going to be for their long-term career, I think, because uh, that's what happens in racing. And, again, in order to win, you got to be there in the end. So uh, these guys uh, are going to have to keep that in mind for sure at Iowa Speedway and beyond. Well, and truthfully, I think maybe Ty Gibbs does have a little bit of the advantage there. Um, having run up in the Xfinity Series already and, and coming from a very deep racing family. But you're right, especially at that young age, it's tough to see that. Sometimes uh, you gotta you got to let the battle go in order to win the war. So we'll see how it plays out between the two of them. Okay, let's cover the ARCA East points real quick. All right, for the ARCA Menards East Series, mentioned Sammy Smith. He has got a... 30-point lead right now. Five races in the books, three of them wins for Sammy Smith, all five top fives with one pole. So there's a reason he's at the top of the standings. An average finish in those five races, 1.8. That is uh, going to be tough to beat. Uh, Mason Diaz, the first one to uh, in line to take a shot at it. And he has picked up three top fives out of the five races. I mentioned 30 points back. Joey East, four top fives in the five races, puts him 34 back. Max Gutierrez, 37. And then Daniel Dye uh, is at minus 43. So you're second through fifth uh, where Daniel Dye is is only a 13-point gap. Now, we mentioned that win. That was not an East Series race. It was the Arkham Menards Series and Sioux Chief Showdown that Daniel Dye won, but mm-hmm. not an Arkham Menards East. So Sammy Smith having three of the victories, Max Gutierrez won, and Ty Gibbs, uh, another one, are the five victors in the East Series itself. So that's why I say there's a lot of pressure on this one with all three points on the line. They definitely do. And uh, we might as well get into the next series and the series points there because, and take note, the 30-point gap between Sammy Smith and Mason Diaz, first and second, I think in the next series, 
uh, or I might be thinking of the West, but I think it might be a little bit closer. <laughs> oh, this one most certainly is close. Uh, Corey Heim leads this one for the Arkham and Ard Series. They got 10 in. We mentioned they're halfway. 10 races in. He has four wins, nine top fives, all top 10 finishes, and he's got a five-point lead over Ty Gibbs. Now, Gibbs' line is a little bit different. He's got five wins, still only nine top fives, and only nine top tens. So that's where the difference is. Uh, Gibbs has a little bit of an advantage on the average start at 2.4 to Heim's 4.0, but finishes is where it matters. Heim is at a 2.3 over 10 races. Again, phenomenal stats. Ty Gibbs is at a 4.4. From there, two more drivers have made all 10 starts, and that's Thad Moffitt and Nick Sanchez. Those are the two that are going to look to capitalize if things get heated between the top two. Moffitt is at minus 74. Sanchez at minus 91. We mentioned Brad Smith. He's the next one down in fifth. Nine starts is 253 points back. So that's going to be a lot to make up in, in 10 more races, especially with the way these top drivers are running. Uh, Moffitt and Sanchez, they just got to stay right within striking distance in case anything happens. Well, and again, keep in mind, they get, they will capitalize in the Arkham and Ice series, but a lot of these Arthur drivers are also going for the Series Chief Showdown championship points, so it will allow them to capitalize there as well. Yeah, I, that, like I said, that is such a mix-up. The East Series drivers, the ones that would actually be running for all three, the Arkham Menard Series, you know, they might be focused on that series and then the uh, Sioux Chief Showdown, and some that are strictly there just for the Sioux Chief Showdown races. So definitely mm-hmm. a lot of different strategies and goals for different teams to see how it all plays out and where they come out at the at the end of it. Absolutely. Okay, we're uh, one minute past the top of the hour, but we are going to get into uh, some news from the truck series. Now, they're on a three-week break, Jay, so they have quite a break for their next race, which is going to be at Watkins Glen on August the 7th. So uh, they still have a couple of weeks to wait. Well, and the pressure of waiting that out, uh, I can't even imagine, because that will be their final event prior to them starting their playoffs. Uh, So a lot on the line for the Camping World Truck Series when it comes to that race at Watkins Glen. Yes, they'll be racing the United Rentals 176 at the Glen at 12.30 p.m. on Saturday, August the 7th. Uh, Green flag should wave sometime around 12.42 p.m. Eastern. It will be televised on Fox Sports 1, MRM, and Sirius XM NASCAR Radio. So, uh, again, this is going to be a huge event. Uh, And we can uh, uh, take a look at uh, the series points for these guys and what what is on the line for them after the race at Knoxville Raceway. Uh, That seems so long ago. Now it's only been uh, a little more than a week. Uh, and now we've got two more weeks to continue to wait. So as hard as that is for us, imagine how difficult that wait is for these drivers. 
Well, and it's a different, again, each team on, on kind of a different agenda. One driver that really doesn't have a whole lot of concern, that's John Hunter Nemechek. Uh, 14 starts on the year, five wins, nine stage wins. He's built up a total of 34 playoff points and has already locked up the regular season championship. So he's one that maybe is willing to uh, let that ride for a couple of weeks. Now, second, second, you got Ben Rhodes. He picked up two wins early. and still picked up a stage win and has 11 playoff points. Then third is Austin Hill. We just saw him pick up his victory. He's got that one win, so he's got five playoff points. Fourth is Todd Gillen, one win and two stage wins for a total of seven playoff points. Zane Smith, three stage wins, has himself three playoff points. Matt Crafton kind of having that steady, solid year, but I think he's going to need to up it in the playoffs as he has no playoff points built up at this point. So he's going to go from sixth rank down a little bit. Sheldon Creed, one, one race win and one stage win for six points. We've got to skip over eighth place Grant Infinger as he was not approved uh, for a playoff waiver. So he will drop out, which slides Carson Hosovar up to eighth. It doesn't have any points built up. Neither does Stuart Friesen in 10th. But again, this one, Chandler Smith is a beneficiary here. Uh, Smith is listed in 11th as a rookie, but with Grant Infinger dropping out, that puts the cut line there at Chandler Smith. He's at 351 points, and he does have one playoff, or uh, yeah, one playoff win based on a stage win. Now, that means Derek Krause. 40 points behind Chandler Smith. He'd have to have a very, very, very good day, and Chandler Smith would have to have a very, very bad day unless he picks up the win. And the interesting thing there is Derek Krause, if he were to pick up the win or get in, he does have three playoff points built up if he gets into the playoffs. Then you got Tyler Ankrum at 307, Johnny Sauter at 300, Austin Wayne Self at 280, Ryan Trix 252, these drivers are all in a must-win, absolutely must-win. Got to put rookie Haley Deegan, Tanner Gray, Chase Purdy, and Tate Fogelman uh, in there as well um, as drivers that would have to pick up that victory, be in the top 20 in points, pick up that victory uh, in order to get themselves into the playoffs. Yes, indeed. And those are the drivers that this week is really tough on them because they they have to wait until this next race on August the 7th to figure out which of those drivers uh, are going to rise to the occasion and maybe get a win at Iowa Speedway, I'm sorry, at Weston's Glen to put themselves into the playoff. Uh, and there's a quite a few drivers uh, that could make that happen. Well, and we know road courses can be very interesting. All that on the line. I said it going into the New Hampshire race for the Cup Series. We're going to see some different pitch strategies, some bold moves on the track, anything they can to pick up that win because that is the only thing that's going to get them in. Now, a couple of the other drivers might be playing a little bit conservative, uh, but it's just not in a driver's nature to do that either. We've seen that in the past as well. Mm-hmm. Very, very true. Okay, so 
this that's the series point standings and how they stand for Knoxville. Let's take a look at some of the news that's come out for the truck series uh, recently because uh, there there's a few little newsworthy things here. I think one of the big ones is Sheldon Creed is looking at this being his last season in the truck series. He's got his eye on racing in the Xfinity series next year. Yeah, this is one we haven't talked about a whole lot as far as what we've seen for movement, but we've seen some Xfinity series drivers announced as far as moving up, and we don't know where the shuffling is going to lay out within the Xfinity series. So there are a couple uh, truck series drivers, I think, that are very qualified, lining up in that right spot um, to move on to the Xfinity series. And we've seen what Sheldon Creed can do. He is the defending champion. Uh, and making another run at the championship this year. So kind of looking at maybe it is his time to move on. Exactly. Well, he had an interview with Davey Siegel, and uh, in that interview uh, he said uh, he does not want to be that person. He does not want to do another year in the truck series to become a lifer. So he says he'd love to race here with GMS Racing and Cup Series next year, but he says Xfinity is where he's really procuring a deal for next season. So uh, it'll be interesting to see where he lands uh, because, as a lot of people know, uh, Sheldon Creed doesn't have a lot of sponsorship on his truck. He's uh, a self-sponsored uh, organization, but, uh, you know, to, to, everybody wants that driver that can bring money, uh, but uh, it, it, it's going to be interesting to see if he races for his own team or if he uh, lands a ride with uh, another team. Well, and we've heard talk of GMS. We've seen them uh, in the Xfinity Series before. They went back to solely focusing on the trucks. Maybe the time is now that they do move towards the Xfinity Series yet again and nobody better than Sheldon Creed. And the one thing I'll say, I know we had this discussion uh, with it pertained to camping world. Sheldon Creed is not one to mix as far as what he feels his worth is when it came to the team and sponsorship on that truck that they said, yeah, there was some minimal money offered, Mm -hmm. but it wasn't what they felt they were worth, so they weren't going to take it. They weren't going to sell themselves short. Uh, because they know what talent they have as a team, him as a driver in that organization. So I think that plays a huge role in uh, him determining where he goes in the future, because we know he's behind his own value 100%. Uh, Real quick, a programming note here. Uh, I want to give an update on the Arkham and Art Series West before we move on to Xfinity Series. They are racing next weekend, not this weekend, but next weekend, July the 31st at Colorado National Speedway. And um, that is going to be on Track Pass for NBC Gold uh, Track Pass members. Uh, And it will start at 10.30 p.m. Eastern Time, 8.30 p.m. Mountain Standard Time. Uh, And we will cover that uh, next Thursday night. But before, we're going to do a little bit of a review preview since it's just the ARCA Racing Series for these next two weeks. Uh, So there will be no Monday night show 
uh, for review because we don't have any races to review other than the Arkham Menard Series. So uh, Jay and I are going to review that race at Iowa Speedway on Thursday night, and then we're going to preview the ARCA West race at uh, Colorado National Speedway and any other ARCA races that are taking place that weekend. I don't think that um, – oh, Winchester – the Arkham Menard Series, yes, this was added to the schedule. The Arkham Menard Series will also be racing at Winchester, and that race is going to be televised on MAP TV. So we'll be previewing both of those races uh, next week, along with the review of the race at Iowa Speedway. Uh, so for the next two Monday nights, uh, there is no fan for racing radio show. We're going to be doing review and preview for the next two Thursday nights. Uh, on our uh, NASCAR weekend review show, uh, which will include the preview and preview of the previous week's race. I look forward to that uh, next Thursday night of getting to review. Again, I think this Iowa race is going to be very pivotal, so I think we're going to have a lot of storylines coming out of there. I do, too. I'm really looking forward to it. Okay, moving on to the Xfinity Series. Uh, Now, the Xfinity Series race at Watkins Glen, uh, again, will be taking place at 4 p.m. on Saturday, August the 7th. Uh, And for some reason, that race is going to be on CNBC. So make sure to mark your calendars for that. Make sure you're at the right uh, station in order to watch this event. Uh, It will also be... Uh, on the radio, MRN and Sirius XM NASCAR radio. So um, uh, a lot to look forward to with the uh, Xfinity Series race at Watkins Glen. Now, let's take a look at the driver points there after uh, the race at New Hampshire Motor Speedway. Well, here we kind of have the same story, but the gap isn't quite as big. Austin Sindrick in his 19 starts on the year, four race wins, seven stage wins for a total of 27 playoff points. But that gap there, Albendinger has two wins and 15 playoff points. Third in the overall standings as it is right now, Daniel, Daniel Hemrick, top-ranked driver without a race win, but has five stage wins, so he's got five playoff points in the bank. Then you have Justin Algar, another one with two victories and one stage win for 11 points. Fifth is Harrison Burton. We mentioned him. He is one that has plans for cup racing next year. No race wins, but two stage wins for two playoff points. Jeb Burton, cousin there with college racing in six, one race win for five playoff points. Justin Haley hasn't gotten a victory yet this year, but three stage wins gives him three points. Eighth is Noah Gregson, uh, has kind of righted his season. Excuse me, two stage wins for two playoff points. Ninth place, Brandon Jones uh, needs to kind of put his at least steady the ship. He does have one playoff point off of one stage win. Now we get into some interesting things here. Tenth place, Jeremy Clements. No no race wins, no stage points, but his 10th in point. Michael Annette missed last weekend's race due to an injury, is expected to be back at Watkins Glen. He is currently in 11th in points, 
at 450 points. 12th is Myatt Schneider. Okay, wait. Xfinity Series is 10. I'm sorry. Xfinity Series is 10 drive. No, 12. 12. I was right. No, okay, sorry. 12. Yeah, I, I confused Keep in mind myself. Too, okay. Jay. Keep in mind, too, Jay, that Michael Annette has already been granted a waiver uh, for the playoffs as well. Yeah, I, I understand that. I, like I said, I, I kind of confused myself there. So Michael Annette right now is in 11th, still in the playoffs. 12th is Maya Schneider with one race win and five playoff points. So he is the cut line at 526. Riley Herbst is at 418, Brandon Brown at 409, and then Ryan Sieg at 375. As long as Michael Annette stays in position, and this is showing him missed two races. I thought he only missed one because it's showing him with 17 no, I, starts. I thought he only I thought he only missed one race. But no, because no, he's had two. two different You're drivers right. fill in for him. You're right. Austin Dillon did the day of that day. And then uh, Josh Berry scheduled the next week. So, yeah, it was two races. Uh, so, fortunate he is still in position in points. If he falls out, he would need the race win to get him back in. And if so, Sharon, you mentioned he does have the uh, NASCAR approval as far as a playoff waiver. So, he either has to stay in there in points or pick up a win and lock himself in over the next couple of races. Now, the Xfinity Series, I believe they go to race 20... 26 as well. So they have seven races left. Is that right? Yeah, I think that's right. Uh, so they got a little bit more leeway. I know the Cup Series is down to four races uh, left. So that'll be interesting to watch that as far as where is Michael Annette. And that's the, the report we got was the plan is for him to be back by Watkins Glen here in two weeks. Oh, okay. And for drivers like Riley Earps and Brandon Brown and Josh Berry, those guys are below the cut line right now. Berry has not raced the whole season either. He's raced only 16 of the 19 races. Uh, Ryan C., uh, so many of these drivers could have a good race at Watkins Glen and put themselves on top of that uh, cut line. And that makes Michael Annette very vulnerable because Myatt Snyder in 12th place already has a race to win, so he is in. You're right. If Schneider gets bumped out of the top 12 in points, that victory is what carries him back in. So that's why I said Michael Annette uh, is in a reasonable position at 32 points above Riley Herbst, uh, but not secure by any means. Okay. So um, let's take a look and see what news we have here. For the Xfinity Series, one one kind of interesting tidbit here is Tyler Page, a junior motorsports employee, is going to be competing in the Olympics. So that's pretty cool. He's uh, headed to Tokyo. Most certainly. And I know with uh, NBC being the coverage, that's why we're kind of on this two-week break. But I think that is a a very respectful thing that NASCAR worked out of with their schedule of taking this break during the Olympics because we know the nation's going to be looking at that anyway. Uh, So I think they did a great job with respecting that and and lining up their schedule to coincide with that. Exactly. 
Well, in this week's Dale Jr. Download, co-host Mike Davis said that Paige was an engineering intern at JRM, and he hopes to work full-time for the team once he returns from the Olympics. So uh, Paige said uh, going into it that he thinks uh, Spain and Australia are the two teams to beat. He's going to be competing for America Samoa in the double hand sailing event. So uh, look for Taylor Page uh, out there on the water for America Samoa. Well, and we've talked about this before, the athletes that these crew members are, not just the drivers. I know the drivers get to focus, as you will, throughout the year. But there is a lot of very talented crewmen, as well as, in this case, engineer, throughout these teams in NASCAR. Exactly. Now, I want to point out, too, Dustin Albino, or Albino, I'm not sure how to pronounce that, uh, he's been writing for jski.com uh, this year, and he's got a really interesting article at jski. Uh, it's called From Living in a Van to Owning a Full-Time Xfinity Series Team, Sam, Sam Hunt Brings Team to the Forefront. So uh, check that out because this is a, a great article about uh, a driver who is really per- – uh, well, he's driven too, but – a team owner who has really persevered in order to have an Xfinity Series team uh, in NASCAR, and uh, it's it's a pretty interesting read. It certainly is, and there's unfortunately uh, several others that get overlooked that have a a very similar storyline when we talk about that, because we do have some big teams, uh, Junior Motorsports, JGR, Richard Childress, that are normally at the top of the Xfinity Series, but we've seen that Brandon Brown, Jeremy Clements, Ryan Sieg, we've seen these guys get in there and mix it up, and I think that's just continue to grow throughout the next couple of years. I really do believe that we're about to see the Xfinity Series become that much more competitive, like we're seeing with the Cup Series. Excuse me, I got the hiccups all of a sudden. (laughs) Okay, moving on to the Cup Series. Their next race is Go Bowling at the Glen, Watkins Glen International. They'll race at 3 o'clock ET on Sunday, August the 8th, and uh, that will be televised on NBC Sports Network, and radio coverage is on MRN and Sirius XM. Now, worthy of note here is there is no practice or qualifying uh, for the Cup Series race. Well, that will be interesting then as far as how the Matrix plays out for the starting lineup when they get to Watkins Glen. Absolutely. Let's uh, cover the points report for the Cup Series. Here we have a unique battle, if you will, a close one at that. Denny Hamlin currently leads the point standings, as he pretty much has all year, but he does not have a victory. I don't know if I need to repeat that. Denny Hamlin, 22 races, does not have a victory yet this year. But he does have five stage wins, obviously consistent as he's leading the points. But now behind him is Kyle Larson, and it looks like it grew by three points over the weekend at New Hampshire. Uh, I think it was at 10, is now is at 13. Larson has four wins and has amassed a total of 32 playoff points. 
So if Denny Hamlin were to not win the regular season championship, uh, you mentioned this the other night, Sharon, in the top 16, I think there is only, we're down to two or maybe three drivers that haven't won. Him, Kevin Harvick, and Austin Dillon, as Tyler Reddick is on the Tyler side Reddick. looking in. Oh, I got I got him backwards. You're right. Tyler Reddick's in. Austin Dillon is out. So those three drivers. Now, if Hamlin wins the regular season championship, doesn't have a win, he is still guaranteed and locked in. But when they reseed him, we're talking about that, the points, he is going to drop down from first down to about 13th or 14th. So uh, that's going to be a battle to watch in and of itself. It certainly is. And what's interesting is as well is if we see another driver outside the top 16 do what Eric Almarola did last weekend and win, that's going to put uh, Tyler Reddick on the outside of the bubble and outside of the cut line, and Kevin Harvick becomes the next driver that's vulnerable. And that's right. I will get to him. He's in 10th in points. And then with the Cup Series has four races left. If there's that third one, Denny Hamlin, especially if he doesn't win that regular season championship, would be the one vulnerable. So uh, win's going to become very important here in these final few races, especially when we hit the regular season finale at Daytona. Four to go and three spots open for grabs. Now running down the rest of the list here, third in points, one win, three of playoff or uh, three stage wins for total eight points is William Byron. Kyle Busch, I think, has probably been the hottest driver as of late, up to fourth in points, two wins, and four stages for 14 points. Fifth place is defending champion Chase Elliott. Two wins, one stage win, has 11 points. Joey Logano, one win, three stages, eight points. Martin Truex, uh, he kind of was the first one to set this standard of, of building playoff points. Three victories, four stage wins, has a total of 19 playoff points. you got Ryan Blaney, a race win, four stages for a total of nine. Brad Keselowski, uh, obviously in the news, we'll get to that probably in Hot Topics. A race win, two stages for seven points. Tenth in points right now, we mentioned Kevin Harvick, sitting at 673, zero race wins, zero stage wins, zero playoff points at this point. 11th is Alex Bowman. Three victories, uh, no stage wins, surprisingly, though, but that still gives him the 15 playoff points. Mentioned Tyler Reddick. He's got uh, no race wins, one stage win for one playoff point. We'll come back to him in a second. Then is Austin Dillon. Now, this is 12th and 13th, and I'll explain why 12th and 13th is the discussion. Uh, No race wins, no uh, stage wins, no playoff points. Kurt Busch in 14th has a victory, three stage wins, eight points. Bell, Christopher Bell, a race win, five points. 16th, which would normally be the cutoff line, is Chris Busher. He doesn't have any race wins but one stage win for one playoff point. Behind him, Matt DiBenedetto and Ross Chastain. Um, DiBenedetto does have one stage win. Then we get to 19th, which is Michael McDowell. He has a race win, puts him into the playoffs in his five points. So then the cut line would be the 15th position, but that's Bell. Up at to Kurt Busch in 14th. Uh, he's got to win. Got to go up to 13th place, Austin Dillon. 
And then we got even a couple more spots down. The reason we got to skip over two, Eric Almirola, 23rd in points, has a race win. When the playoff cut mm-hmm. time comes, that victory puts him into the top 16th. So 15th and 16th are out. Those drivers have wins. That means they get to go in. 14th has a win. Austin Dillon is that driver. Thought he was okay 13th in points, but he's not. So, yeah, right now the, the line is between Tyler Reddick at 596 and Austin Dillon at 591. If Reddick gets bumped out by a new winner, Harvick is up next. Oh, I know. That's just amazing, isn't it? Uh, four races to go, three drivers without victories are uh, in very vulnerable positions with these drivers that are below the cut line coming up with a win. And you know Daytona, that's the last race of the regular season, is one of those races where anybody can win. And so drivers like Kevin Harvick, uh, Tyler Reddick, and uh, Denny Hamlin are not totally safe spot right now. The one thing I look at, and we've talked about this on Hot Topics a couple of times, Stuart Haas Racing appears to have gotten back what they were, were missing, back on the right track as far as speed. Harvick, uh, not having a bad year by any means, finishing in the top 10 every week, but he was winning every other week last year or every third week, picking up a career-high nine wins throughout the season. So it's just not the standard we've seen from him or the rest of Stuart Haas Racing. But we've seen that here in the past couple of weeks, accumulated uh, by New, New Hampshire with Eric Almirola winning. He had a dominant car, was up front all day. He did not pit strategy or luck his way into that. He was up front contending for that victory and pulled it off. Yes, he did. So that, that was exciting to watch. Uh, and like I say, we've got three more races. Watkins Glen is up next. That's a road course. And some of these drivers are pretty good on the road course. Uh, we'll have to see if maybe one of those three drivers who do not have a win in the top 16 can pull off a victory on the road course. You're right. That's where it gets interesting. But it also does from some drivers that maybe, uh, excuse me, um, below the cut line without a win. Uh, Daniel Suarez mm-hmm. is one, I think, as far as a road course. Throwing it out there, Chase Briscoe uh, as a rookie. If he were going to get a win, uh, come on a road course like that at Watkins Glen. He's 24th in points. Uh, Ross Chastain, another one. Yes, that could get real interesting then. Yeah, so these guys uh, have their work cut out for them in these next few races. We are at 9.30 p.m. Eastern Time, and that means it is time for us to move on, Jay. Uh, And uh, I think we did a good job of covering everything, but now it's time for us to move on to Hot Topic Sound Off. And joining us for our Hot Topic Sound Off discussion is Tommy. So welcome to the show, Tommy. Hey, thanks for having me. I'm so glad you were available because it turned out that Andy cannot make it tonight. So it's just going to be the three of us tonight on Hot Topic Sound Off. So, Tommy, why don't you go ahead and kick us off with the first topic? Uh, Let's go with um, Brad Kozlowski officially being 
name to the sixth car and a part-time owner at Roush. Okay, Jay? Well, what's left to talk about other than it is official and everybody who didn't know it before was living under a rock now knows it, I guess, if you will. <laughs> um, no, there were there were some things to have come out of it that we have picked up on over the couple of days that this has been about two years in the making. That Part of the reason Brad Keselowski only signed a one-year deal, part of it was due to COVID and the uncertainty moving forward of where they were going to be at. But he had in, in uh, he had expressed interest in ownership, uh, signed the one-year deal, and then again this year when it came to re-signing from what was reported on Sirius XM uh, NASCAR radio, both times Roger Penske offered a multi-year deal. But that wasn't the uh, only thing that was important to Brad. He really was looking to get into ownership. And as Roger Penske said in, in his uh, – interview and press conference when they announced who they were having drive the two cars. He said that just wasn't available at Penske. So there was nothing he could do if that was the direction Brad wanted to pursue, which he obviously did, uh, that he knew that he was going to do it somewhere else because all he could do was offer him a little more money or whatever and the multi-year deal, which didn't complete what Brad wanted out of his future plan. So uh, that was interesting to hear because I know we talked about that, why Brad only did the one-year uh, deal last year and hadn't yet re-signed this year. Now we get those pieces filled back into the puzzle, if you will. Yes, indeed. Another part of that puzzle uh, that came out in those interviews is that Brad has known since March uh, that he would be moving to Rush Fenway Racing as a co-owner-driver and uh, has already been uh, working toward that, I guess, uh, with Rosh Fenway. He's focused at Team Penske, don't get me wrong. He he wants to win another championship, if that's at all possible, uh, this season, and he's focused on doing everything he can in the number two uh, Team Penske Ford until he makes that move for 2022. Uh, but uh, you've got to think that, uh, you know, there's a, a lot of conversations about who they want to be on that Roush Fenway team. And I know we'll talk about this as a separate issue. Um, we don't have to talk about it now, but it was also learned uh, this week that Brad, that uh, Ryan Newman has been offered a you know, part-time position uh, in a car as a driver, uh, for the 2022 season, and they're waiting on him to make his decision about whether or not he wants to accept that or go somewhere else. So um, a lot, lot came out in those interviews, and uh, it, it, it is interesting. Again, I think it's going to be great for Brad Keselowski. I think it's going to be great uh, for uh, Roush Fenway Racing. I know that there were some comments made on our team page as well, uh, let me see if I can go back. There were some comparisons here of Tony Stewart. Let me go back to that. Uh, when he became a team owner, Mike put this up, of when uh, he was the same age as Brad Keselowski, 37, uh, and at that point, 
Brad has 35 wins compared to Tony Stewart's 33. He also has 135 top fives compared to Tony Stewart's 129. And then uh, 219 top tens compared to Tony Stewart's 207. Here's where it's in favor of Tony Stewart. Brad Keselowski has the one championship. Tony Stewart has two. So, uh, uh, there were some conversations here that um, uh, Stewart House Racing, uh, you know, was similar maybe to what Rush Fenway Racing is, uh, or maybe even worse than Rush Fenway Racing when Tony became a team owner there. And uh, he's been able to make that one of the top competing teams now. Uh, and there was some discussion about whether or not Brad Keselowski is going to be able to do that. Uh, And I think that he will because I think he uh, did a good job of bringing a driver like Joey Logano to Team Penske. Brad Keselowski was a big part of Joey Logano coming to Team Penske. And when he did, he left JGR and became a champion at Team Penske. So uh, I think at JGR, uh, Logano was one of those drivers that was overlooked and underappreciated. And so uh, Brad recognized that he had talent, and if given the right opportunity, he could show that, and he certainly did at Team Penske. So he's got a good eye for talent. I think he's going to find success. Tommy, I'm curious to know your thoughts. I'm just glad that it's finally confirmed that that's what's happening, that he's now an owner and that he's going to the sixth car. And I'm like you, there's a lot to tie in here. Um, I wanted to talk about Ryan Newman too, but uh, I'll wait till we get to that. But um, I just wanted to add on to what you were saying too about Logano. I watched the I Am Athlete with Kyle Busch, and Kyle Busch said that he actually vouched uh, for Joey Logano to stay at Joe Gibbs, but we all know how that went. He went to Penske, and now he's a champion. But um, I thought that was interesting. So um, I'm glad for Brad Kay. It looks like the future is going to be him as an owner. From what I've um, I've read, Jack Crouch is you know going to groom him, and Kislowski has plans to be an owner. He doesn't want to be out of NASCAR anytime soon. He just wants to transition from driver to owner in the later years. And then I like the comparison to Tony Stewart. It's Spot on, actually. Um, I, I'd love to see him be successful like Tony Stewart was when he formed his own team. And, I mean, look at Tony Stewart's team now. Last year, Kevin Harvick tore it up, and Cole Custer got a win. Eric Amarola just got a win this year. I mean, Tony Stewart's been successful in the series. So I uh, hope the same happens for Brad Kay, and um, I'll save the rest for Ryan Newman and everything when we get to that. Okay. Uh, Jay, your follow-up? Well, I was involved, if you saw, with that in the in the chat room. Uh, I understand the comparison to Tony Stewart, but when I look at it, I don't think it is a true comparison. And I, I don't want to take anything away from Brad. I think <clears throat> you start with this. It's a great move for all the parties involved. One of the key elements we mentioned with him going over there was not just team owner and driver, but also being involved in management, Uh, not just ownership, but management. And I believe it's the competition committee that he's going to be the head of, if I'm not mistaken there. 
Um, that was something that was kind of one of those, uh, this is one of my lines in the sand to go along with this. Uh, so he definitely wants to be involved. I think, as we mentioned, we've talked about several times, some of these older owners got to pass that uh, torch along somewhere, and Roush has chosen Brad Keselowski to do so with his organization. Now, going back to the Stewart and Keselowski comparison, uh, I, I'm not saying he can't be. I don't know that we should give him credit for it already as far as saying he can do what Tony Stewart did. I think Tony Stewart brought a little more to the table. He's had experience running a series, tracks, running in all types of different vehicles to include most recently winning an SRX championship. Uh, and he came from IndyCar. So I think he had a little bit more knowledge and experience, a widespread experience, when it came to uh, setting up the team and, and doing what he wanted to do. And if you recall, Tony Stewart's decision to do that, besides being given half of a company for free, uh, was he wanted to be able to run outside races and continue that, not only while he was driving, but then even after as an, as, as an owner, uh, we know that he doesn't always isn't always at every track or a race a NASCAR Cup race. So uh, I think I, I'm not I don't want to say Brad cannot accomplish what Tony Stewart did. I don't think it's going to be as easy or that uh, that people are kind of thinking it might be. Okay, um, and and you know everybody has a different view on that, and that's okay. Um, I just think that. Uh, Brad's had a lot going on as well. Uh, he's known about this for a while. He's managing his own, you know, his team with Team Binsky, as well as still in discussions with uh, the future at RFR. So I think he's capable of multitasking, and I think he reached a lot to it too. Keep in mind, Brad has his own team in the uh, truck series that was fairly successful as well, and he did a good job with that team. Uh, and he writes a blog every week, and or maybe not every week, but he writes a blog on a regular basis. He has a family that he's also managing. So um, I, I, I just think it's uh, it's uh, uh, I don't want to sell Brad Keselowski too short because I think he does bring a lot of talent to the table, and I think Josh, Jack Roush recognizes that, and that's the reason he brought him in there. So, Tommy, you get the final word here. I was just going to add to that by saying um, I think I read on J-Ski where during the press conference and everything, or maybe it was after it came out, that Brad Kay did have talks with Roush about wanting to do either Xfinity or Truck, like bring the Roush back to that, the Xfinity series or Truck series. And, you know, that that would be awesome. I would love that. I I remember the 60 car with Greg Bissell. I remember them in the mm-hmm. truck series. So I mean, I'd love to see that come back. Carl Edwards was in it too. So um, that would, like I said, that would just be awesome. Um, and then, uh, you know, going back to the Tony Stewart, Brad K comparison, I know that Tony Stewart's got dirt experience in IndyCar and all that stuff, but it's one championship away and Brad K actually has two more wins. Um, so, like, the comparison right now makes sense. But, yeah, I do – Brad does have to go out and do what Tony Stewart did. So, um, but, yeah, I'm just 
glad to see what the future is and uh, ready to talk about this, uh, what Newman's going to do and other options. Okay. So uh, sure. the the rest of the story will be forthcoming. Go ahead, Jay. I just, if I jump in there real quick, because none of us mentioned it, and I, I do want it to be known that Brad Keselowski, when he shut down his truck series team you mentioned, did start the Keselowski Advanced Manufacturing, which, uh, let's see what it covers. Uh, it says their capabilities include additive material manufacturing, CNC machining, design and engineering, power analysis, mechanical testing, post-processing, metrology, and quality control. And some of that does tie even to the space program. And, and that is something that I think maybe does play in his favor when it comes to the way that future of NASCAR is looking from the engineering side more than the mechanical and driving side. So that might actually play into his favor. Well, thank you, Jay. Well, let's, let's go within the position that puts Ryan Newman in when it comes to uh, Roush Fenway racing. We mentioned that he has been offered, I believe the part-time ride. Uh, let's see if I can flip. There we go. Offered a partial ride for next season. We haven't heard, excuse me, hadn't heard a whole lot out of him other than he said he wanted to continue driving. We now know that that is on the table, and I know it got mentioned several times. Uh, if they were able to, they'd actually like to have run a third full-time season with him, but it would be a partial deal for next year uh, if they can get to, get Ryan Newman to agree to it or if that's where he's willing to uh, settle for next year. Exactly. Uh, okay, Tommy, what are your thoughts about that? Well, I'm glad to see they want to keep Ryan Newman around. Um, I'd love for them to bring back the 16, 26, or 97 car for him. I did even see on Twitter today where if he accepts the deal that he should ask to drive the 39 car, which he drove at Stuart Haas. But, um, you know, he's yet to accept the deal. Um, he's I saw where he's still looking at options calls. I'm sure he wants another full – he wants to be full-time. Like, I've heard him talk in the interviews and stuff. He has no intentions, and I want him to stick around. Um, he's – I remember his rookie year with Jimmy Johnson. I mean, he's one of the guys I grew up watching him and Kurt Busch and Harvick. They're like the the last three from that era that I'm hanging on to. So, and one of them's in the booth now, junior, and Ken's have just retired last year. So, yeah, I'm clinging on to him. I don't want him to go anywhere. I want him to stay at Roush because, I mean, if Brad Kay is the head of the competition, I think that the cars might be better next year, and, you know, he'll be in a, a more competitive car maybe. So, But um, that's to be determined. And then, like I said, he wanted to bring back the truck series and the Xfinity series. I'm sure that won't be next year. Maybe that will be two or three years down the road if he does accomplish that for Roush. Um, I mean, that's just another open seat for somebody. Um, so it's that's awesome. But, um, yeah, I'm excited to see where Newman goes. Or if he takes that deal, I kind of hope he does. Even though it's only part-time for this year, uh, I would like to see him stick around. Okay. Uh, at Ralph Fenway right now, I think you've got Chris Busher in that number 17 car and Ryan Newman in the number six car. Um, they're going to put Brad Keselowski in the number six car, uh, they really haven't identified whether or not Chris Buescher is going to be back in that number 17 car or not. I don't see why he wouldn't be uh, because he's had, a, I think, a pretty good year uh, for Ross Fenway Racing. 
uh, probably a better year than Ryan Newman's had. Uh, but uh, it is going to be interesting to see uh, when they do announce their driver lineup, uh, whether or not Ryan – and I'm, I'm sure that what's holding that up right now is the decision from Ryan Newman about what he wants to do. If he wants to drive part-time for that uh, third team at Rush Fenway, or if he wants to uh, opt to go to another team and drive full-time. Now, here's the thing, uh, and if, if Ryan Newman stays, I think it would be a good thing because I think what they're trying to do here is what a lot of the teams have done. They have a part-time team where they can test uh, different drivers in that decisions about whether or not they want to bring them in as a full-time driver. Ryan Newman would be great to have paired up with up-and-coming talent that's coming into the organization um, uh, to, to work with those drivers along with Brad Keselowski, uh, that would be a pretty good deal for some of those drivers uh, to have the veteran drivers available to kind of help them with that. But that's kind of a double-edged sword because if you look at it from the other side, um, a lot of this is all about, uh, and, and the Woods brothers said it, uh, they, they're bringing Harrison Burton to the number 21 car because they want a rookie in that seat when they go to the next-gen car. They don't want somebody to come in with preconceived ideas about the Cup Series cars. Uh, he's going to come in with the new car, and uh, I think that's, that's going to be good for that organization because uh, these guys aren't going to have some of those hang-ups that some of these other drivers have with the old car versus the new car. So uh, that that's going to be interesting to see what Rush Fenway does in the end, whether they're able to keep Ryan Newman in that part-time position. Uh, but I see them using that, that third team, and the reason why Newman would be part-time is so that they can develop drivers for the future. So, uh, Jay, what's your, what are your thoughts? Well, a couple different things here, uh, just starting with the future. And I know you know, nowhere does it said you're right that I, I was looking through some of the stuff that Chris Busher was staying. However, when it talks mm-hmm. about it, it says that they, as soon as the talks, uh, uh, RFR, RFR President Steve Newark indicated that its deal with Kozlowski was reached in March and that the talks of expanding to a three-car Cup Series operation soon followed. Ultimately, Newark said the organization opted to continue as a two-car effort, but the possibility of keeping Newman with the partial schedule. So that, to me, implies that Busher is pretty much locked down. I know it doesn't say it directly, but that that implies it, being that Newman was the one being uh, given the option of the partial partial schedule. And it also says Mm -hmm. Kozlowski indicated that he had been involved in those talks with Newman, saying he was bullish on keeping the veteran driver in the Mm -hmm. fold if sponsorship and support allowed. Uh, And I think there could be some great benefits to it. You mentioned some, especially if they look to expanding back into the Xfinity or Truck Series. Uh, If they wanted to build on the Truck Series, say, for example, what better to do than put Ryan Newman back in the truck series full-time, go after the championship, and build that team from then the ground up again. Uh, so I think there are some possibilities there. 
And you mentioned if they use the car on other, if they get sponsorship for a driver to step up on races Newman isn't in of developing other drivers uh, or checking them out, as you, as you indicated. The other thing I look at is, and we know where Roush Fenway Racing is at currently, uh, for Newman to go to another team, I don't see any other team available that isn't already looking at some different drivers, that it would be a step up and most likely a step back as far as team performance. And not that he can't then help a team. It's a matter of whether or not he's in position to do that and wants to do that. And I think back to Clint Boyer, the one year he did, and I'm trying to remember what team he did it with, uh, before he went to Stuart Haas Racing, uh, it took the life out of him. Kurt said it himself. There we go. Thank you. Uh, Clint said it himself. He he just wasn't enjoying it anymore. It was too much of a struggle uh, for whatever reason. Uh, and I think A.J. Allmendinger was another one as he kind of bounced around to a couple of teams. It just it wasn't fun anymore. Uh, and we've seen where, where A.J. Allmendinger now back with College Racing says that's all he's doing is having fun. Yes, they're winning races. They're with the top organization. So – I don't know that Newland would go any could go any place else and fit in any better than what the opportunity provides at Roush Fenway, even if it is part time. Okay, Tommy, your follow up. Yeah, that's kind of what I'm hoping is that he stays at Roush and maybe they put him in the Xfinity or truck car or truck series in the future if they decide to go that way and he pulls a Johnny Benson and like Skinner and all those where he goes in and just tears <laughs> it up in the truck series that would be awesome I mean Kyle Busch is retiring now so well from the Xfinity series I mean so they need somebody there to um this competitive to help develop those young guys out and uh, I think he'd be perfect for it and he doesn't seem to want to stop yet so um kind of stinks that it's only going to be part-time next year, but what happens if he goes out part-time, wins the 500, because, I mean, he's been good at Daytona and Talladega these past couple of years. He's still been running up in the front, finished second a few times at Dega. What if he wins? Then they can make him full-time in the third car at Roush Fenway, maybe. So the options are out there, and uh hope it works out for him, because I want him to stay around. Okay. Yeah, I don't have a whole lot to add. I think that uh, uh, it, it's just going to be interesting to see what does develop uh, from uh, the decision from Ryan Newman, and I think that's what's kind of holding up the whole driver lineup. I I think you're reading between the lines there, Jay. I'm not sure that I buy into it doesn't necessarily, that it, it implies that Bush is going to stay in that car. But uh, uh, I hope he does. I, I will say I hope he does stay in that car because I think he's earned that opportunity uh, to continue racing at Rush Fenway Racing. But uh, I can't wait for them to come up with the announcement of, of their driver lineup uh, with Brad Keselowski in that number six. So we'll, we'll wait that out and see what happens. You get the final word. Well, and I say I was looking for something that specifically put it in black and white, and I I haven't found anything as of yet as far as that. uh, With what I just read, uh, you know, if 
to me, and you're right, but it is kind the, of reading in between the lines. But if Busher were the one. Their, they did say in their announcement about Brad Keselowski, uh, the comment was they would announce their driver lineup at a future date. So they left that completely open in that particular document anyway. Second tour, no, but yeah, no. I was, I, like I said, I'm trying to, I'm trying to scan through some of the other articles uh, that talks about that. Um, as far as it saying black and white that that Busher was locked in, but well, what I was saying there was if Busher were the one that possibly were going to be out, you know, they would say, hey, they've offered him the part time ride, or you know, that's a, that's why I, I say it kind of to me implies it. Um, okay. I see and I was trying. Saying, I was trying but... to. I was trying to look and see even if I could find where when uh, Busher came back to Roush Fenway from JTG of how long his contract was, but I'm not finding it at this time. Um, so yeah, I know they said they were going to wait with their full driver lineup, and that I do think has to do with whether or not Ryan Newman accepts a partial, or if it's going to strictly be the two car team of Keselowski and. And Busher, but like you said, we'll have to wait and see when they do do the official announcement of it. Uh, one thing, uh, the other thing I look at with Ryan Newman, uh, you know, I know obviously you always you prefer your, especially where you, with what you've accomplished, want to be at the cup level. But we look at Justin Algar, gone to the Xfinity Series, battled for championships. Elliot Sadler did it back in the day. AJ Allmendinger is back doing it now. Uh, I know we've said that Matt Benedetto said he didn't want to look at it, but he's one that we think could do the same thing. And it might get him back into the Cup Series. I think Ryan Newman kind of falls into that category. If he truly just wants to race, and, and one thought that popped into my head, if Roush isn't ready to go back full-time Xfinity racing, uh, Stuart Haas racing in the Xfinity Series maybe could use a veteran leader in their organization, if they, you know, still within the go. Ford camp, uh, you know, <laughs> so... There's always that possibility of then with partnering with an Xfinity Series Ford team to kind of develop because we know Ford doesn't have much when it comes to the Xfinity Series. Right. I think it still has to be a part-time thing because uh, Stuart House Racing needs to develop their up-and-coming talent as well. So they still need a place for those new drivers to develop. Uh, so pairing somebody up with Brian Newman's not a bad deal. The 22 for Roger Penske in the Cups in the Xfinity Series is also open now too. That's true. That's true. There's a couple of seats that are open, and the 22 is a Ford, which he's been driving with Rush Fenway. So that's a good point. Matty D. Okay. Huh? Matt DiBenedetto too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I kind of feel sorry for these guys because I, 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 I can only see them in a part-time position, unfortunately, unless they go to the lower-tier series uh, and drive for uh, the truck series or the Xfinity series. But even then, it, it could still end up being a part-time gig. So we'll have to wait and see how this unfolds. Okay, Tommy, what's the next hot topic you've got? Let's go with Mike's um, Tyler Reddick on a hot streak. Um, he's 
had nothing but um, – he hasn't had a finish outside the top 20 since spring Atlanta. He went from P28 in points to P12. So is he going to be the next first-time winner? Okay. Uh, Jake? You certainly have to put him at the top of the list. I know we've seen him have a couple of good runs. I know one second-place finish. Uh, I was aware that he had climbed uh, to his position where he's at right now in 13th, uh, or sorry, 12th, and and battling on that playoff line. I did not uh, know all the stats that Mike provided, and I don't know if he got them from Owen or not, if he did them on his own, but – He's certainly kind of under the radar, if you will, from that aspect. Like I said, I knew he had climbed, but not how good a stats he had during that stretch. Uh, And we thought he was one that even as a rookie uh, could come in and win. So definitely going to be interesting. And I think that battle between him and Richard Childress Racing teammate Austin Dillon for that possible final playoff spot uh, really could put uh, put some tension there. We've mentioned it. We feel like when, with us or uh, with sorry Tyler Reddick coming in there, it pushed Austin Dillon to up his game. I think this battle is going to be even more so, especially if Tyler Reddick gets that win. Yeah, I agree with you guys. If Tyler Reddick gets the win, guess who? We've talked about it in earlier in the show. The next driver to be on the hot seat would be Kevin Harvick. Um, because he would be the next driver without a win that could get bumped out if somebody at Daytona below the cut line ends up winning. Uh, it pushes Kevin Harvick out of the equation for this year's playoffs. So uh, he's certainly hoping that Tyler Reddick doesn't get that win. But uh, I, I think it's certainly possible. Tyler Reddick is a really good driver. He's good on the road courses. And some of these tracks that are coming up next on the schedule, uh, I meant to review that here. Um, you've got, uh, uh, let's see, coming up next, the Indianapolis road course. That's two road course opportunities. Then you've got Michigan. Uh, Kyle Larson could probably certainly come home with another victory there. And then Daytona, which is a super wild card. So, uh, where just about anybody can win. So I don't think Kevin Harvick should consider himself uh, too firm in the uh, playoffs. Uh, so it's going to be a tough competition between Tyler Reddick and Kevin Harvick on the racetrack because uh, Kevin Harvick certainly doesn't want to see Tyler Reddick get that victory. Uh, so I look for those guys to be very competitive on the track with each other. Okay, uh, Tommy? Yeah, I definitely think he is a threat to get a win. Austin Dillon as well. Um, they've been they've been lingering around. Well, I've seen Austin Dillon run in the top 16 all year, I feel like. So they've been pretty good. Um, I didn't realize that Tyler Reddick had gone from P28 all the way up to that playoff position. Um, but now looking back on it, I think Mike is – I think his stats are right because it does look like he's been finishing in the top 10 and 15 every week. So um, it's only a matter of time before he gets a win, in my opinion. Um, he didn't get one last year, and he had some good runs. Cole Custer actually was the one that got the win. But, um, yeah, it's only a matter of time before he gets a win. It took William Byron a few years. 
but it's it's eventually going to happen for sure. Um, but there's so many options out there because they got Daytona coming up. There's two road courses, Watkins Glen and Indianapolis. Um, so, and then there's Michigan. And I, if I'm not mistaken, Austin Dillon usually runs good at Michigan, so that means that the RCR cars are good there probably, which would obviously help Tyler Reddick. So maybe he could pull it off there. Um, yeah, we've, we're we definitely going to see Denny Hamlin probably have to win in order to get into the playoffs, in my opinion. I think it's going to work out like that somehow or another, where there's 16 winners and Denny Hamlin's the uh, – the regular season champion or something and somebody gets their feelings hurt or Denny Hamlin has to win to get in. I feel like that's going to be the way it's going to go. Okay, Jay. Well, going, going down that road, uh, you got to look at what, I think it was race hub, uh, Larry McReynolds, and it might've been the day Brad Keselowski was on there on Tuesday when they made the announcement. One of the past days, they have talked about the team dynamics that could come into play. With Eric Almirola, where he is in points right now, if Kevin Harvick were, say, to get a win, Denny Hamlin would drop down, and then somebody in between there, in between Almirola and the cut line get a win, Almirola could be on the outside looking in even with the yep. win. Or if Denny Hamlin gets the win, I'm sorry, doesn't get the win, but is the regular point season champion, that locks up one of those spots I mentioned earlier. So the team team dynamic between Eric Almirola and Kevin Harvick, there's spots where he wouldn't want Harvick to get a win, but then there's spots where he may. Then you talk about Richard Childress racing. We just talked about that. Two teammates going to be battling for that same spot. How well are they going to work together, especially when it comes to Daytona, when that's the focus? Start with working with your teammate, working with your manufacturer, and so on. Uh, there's going to be some interesting dynamics of who's going to help who and who's really sharing all information as we get closer to Daytona because it is about individual teams and individual drivers when it comes down to it. We've seen that in the past, say, between Brad Keselowski and Joey Logano. Exactly right. I think that the team dynamics is going to be huge, uh, especially at Daytona. Um but uh, uh, I like the I like the thinking there, uh, also of what if uh, Tyler Reddick wins? You know Austin Dillon is going to be so competitive with that. He does not want Tyler Reddick to make the playoffs and he not make it. So then Austin Dillon wins. That's what would put Kevin Harvick on the outside looking in because Austin Dillon is on, on the outside right now. Um, it can change between now and that second or third race, uh, but that's the way it is right now. Um, but uh, I, I, th- I think that's an interesting scenario, and I think it's certainly feasible. Uh, somebody mentioned Daniel Suarez. What if Daniel Suarez wins on the road course? Uh, that puts Harvick out, um, and then you've got – does that – make 16 drivers then? No, that would be Denny Hamlin would be the only driver then without a win, right? But he, but if he's in the points, in the championship lead, he's still got that locked-in spot. That's where it, where it comes into play. Okay. So then, yeah, it does make uh, Eric Almarola very vulnerable uh, because 
uh, as well as Kevin Harvick. I think I think that team dynamic alone is going to make Kevin Harvick vulnerable because I don't think Austin Dillon uh, is is going to sit very well for him if um, Tyler Reddick wins to get in and he doesn't. Uh, so that that's going to I think they're going to resolve that before they get to Daytona on these road courses and, and maybe at Michigan. But uh, I, I, this is going to be something to watch for race fans, and I, I think it's do not miss racing for these next four events. Tommy. Uh, I was just going to add that Daytona is going to be crazy because it probably is going to be every driver for himself, basically, to get that last position. So there might be three or four green-white checkered finishes <laughs> It might be a repeat of that Bush class where Eric Jones won uh, with that totaled car of his, basically. But, um, yeah, yeah like I, I said, it's only really a matter of time before Tyler Reddick gets a win. Um, I just wanted to add, if you're talking about drivers um, not being able to get in if all these people win, Michael McDowell, um, he would be one. He, uh, I don't know. I don't know where he technically sits set in the points, but I know since he's got a win, he's locked he's in. He's below the cut line right now. There he is. So, I mean, that would be another one. But I just really do think it's going to end up being either Denny Hamlin has to win to get in or he clinches the final spot with the regular season championship. Or everybody gets a win and then he clinches it and somebody gets their feelings hurt. I think it's all going to end up on Denny Hamlin's shoulders somehow in these next four races. But I do want to add that Matt DiBenedetto is good on road courses because we were talking about Suarez, and there's two of those coming up, so he could get a win Mm -hmm. there. And I also want to factor in if they put Cindric in um, one of those in the 33 again, even though he can't make the playoffs, he could still win, and that could shake things up because there's those other guys looking for a win. So. But that's only if they put him in at the road course. So in summary, it's not just the win and you're in. It's where you are in the point standings as well. It's going to probably factor in at Daytona uh, on who's in and who's not. And okay, I also want Jay. to add Sin- Go ahead. Go ahead. Stenhouse could uh, get in at Daytona. Can't count him out there. That's true. That's very true. Okay, Jay, you're up for the next hot topic. Uh, okay, for a new topic, I was gonna, I was going to run mm-hmm. you a scenario there as we were as we were talking about that. But uh, the the hot topic there, uh, I want to look at how it was put in here. I think. Uh, well, you can run your scenario and, if you want. Well, okay, we were ta- we were talking about that with it. Let's let's give Tyler Reddick a win. Uh, which would then put uh, Kevin Harvick on the line. I'll go out on a limb and say either Daniel Suarez or Chase Briscoe get a win. Uh, Daniel Suarez is currently 30-some points ahead of Eric Almarola. Chase Briscoe is tied with Eric Almarola, so if he were to get the win, that would put him at more points, obviously. Those two win. Harvick is now on the outside. If Denny Hamlin is still the points leader and guaranteed a spot, Almarola can't see it, can't let Harvick win because that would push him out. And I mean, that's a realistic scenario there of 
that could happen. We see either Suarez or Briscoe winning on one of the road courses, and then, um, or even Matt DiBenedetto or Ross Chastain. I mentioned both those decent road course race winners. So with those mm-hmm. first two, I think by the time we leave Indy, we're really going to see. And that's where that where Race Hub was talking about that of Eric Almarola may not be in favor of Kevin Harvick getting a win because uh, that's a realistic well, scenario to play sense. out. That that definitely makes sense, Jay. Okay, the next now as far topic. as the next hot topic, Andy put it out a significant HMS penalty, and we'll go to Bob Pockris here. Uh, a twenty-five point penalty to Elliott and Bowman. $50,000 fine to Gustafson and Ives and a one-race suspension to engineer specialist Scott Maxim and general manager Jeff Andrews. And that was at the top of it. Uh, the rule Hendrick violated is specific to a race-winning engine. That is when it must be used in the same car number. Otherwise, it doesn't have to be used in the same car number. And we have, have a quote from the rule book. All sealed race-winning engines will be impounded by NASCAR and completely inspected before the next scheduled event. For all unsealed race-winning engines, the, teams, the team may either have the engine impounded by NASCAR and completely inspected before the next scheduled event or have the long block sealed and inspected after the next time the engine is used. If the team chooses to have the unsealed engine inspected following the event, the team will not be given a one-short block, a sealed engine, credit for that engine. If the team chooses to have the long block sealed, the engine must be used in the same vehicle number the next time it is used. And they apparently got uh, caught not using it in that same vehicle number, from my understanding there. Mm-hmm. That's exactly right. Okay, Tommy, what are your thoughts? I was just kind of confused as to how this happened because I saw that from what I remember when drivers went to Daytona 500, you know, they don't get to keep that engine. So I was thinking the guys that, and when you hear them win races and they're not allowed to do burnouts, that's because they want them to keep that engine. So I was confused Mm -hmm. as to how it ended up in the 48 car. I was like, why didn't the nine team keep that engine for the future? So, um, yeah, I don't. Maybe they just made that mistake, um, but it's unfortunate for them because good thing Chase Elliott has the win because they docked him 25 points, I believe, or maybe it was Bowman. I'm, I'm not sure, but either way, that's a lot of money. And um, well, I don't know how many points it was, but either way, that's never good when they dock points of any kind. So yeah, and then they've also. Uh, engineer for a race i think with the suspension so not a good mistake to make um but yeah just confused as to how that happened i don't know why they didn't keep that car for or that engine for themselves okay yeah that that's a good, very good question because i was wondering the same thing the statement from hendrick motorsports says due to an administrative error one of our sealed engines assigned to the number nine car was unintentionally 
allocated to the number 48 team at New Hampshire Motor Speedway. Although the engine passed technical inspection and absolutely no competitive advantage was gained, we acknowledge NASCAR's process was not followed correctly in this instance. The rules regarding the assignment of sealed engines are clear, and we understand and respect their decision to issue a penalty. We apologize for the mistake and have taken steps to ensure it will not be repeated. Now, Hendrick Motorsports certainly isn't going to come out and say uh, that they intentionally did that. Um, uh, But that's a pretty big unintentional error. And I would think that somebody would get fired from uh, Hendrick Motorsports if they did that unintentionally. Um, I, um, I I think it was unintentionally. I really do. I think they're trying to um, uh, spread the wealth, if you will. Uh, they took that engine from the number nine car, a winning engine, and intentionally put it in the number 4018, not by their own admission, but through my own personal speculation. And uh, 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 and now they they got caught. Uh, you know, a lot, we've, we've acknowledged before that a lot of these teams do a lot of things in hopes that they won't get caught. And all of those engines have an identifying number on them, and NASCAR happened to catch it this time based on the identifying number on the engine. And uh, you got to wonder how many times that's happened before, and it wasn't caught. So I I tend to not believe that it was unintentional. Um, they're going to say that it's unintentional. Obviously, I think they'd be silly to say that they intentionally did that. But uh, I think NASCAR is going to be watching very closely from here on out. So Jay, your thoughts? Well, and and. You kind of clarified it when you first read it. I thought you read it as they admitted that they did it intentionally. It does say their statement says unintentionally. Obviously, your opinion is you don't believe that, and I'm inclined to uh, agree with you. We're talking about top organizations, uh, things like that. <laughs> Not to say they can't slip through the cracks, but uh, I've also worked around a lot of dirt tracks and series. Yeah, 99.9% of the time, it probably was intentional. Uh, that they thought they could get away with it, nobody was going to check it, whatever the case may be. Um, so you're right. Uh, whether or not it really truly was un- unintentional, I think we go back to uh, it was Ryan Blaney's team, Penske's team that said they forgot a weight in the car uh, mm-hmm. that gave them an advantage and were penalized for it. You know, I mean, that's something, uh, how does that get misplaced in the in the car, no less, but uh there, we've seen it in the past with other things. The the situation is a lot worse if you said, yeah, we did it intentionally, we got caught. So at least they can stand their ground of no comment or, oh, we did it unintentionally. The one right. thing I have with, the one thing I have an issue with, and I think this goes back over a couple of years, we've talked about this a couple of times. Uh, Andy put significant penalty to the HMS team. When you look at on the surface, 25-point deduction minus the crew chiefs or executives for a race, okay, yeah, it sounds so. But guess what? Here in with those two drivers, Chase Elliott having two wins, Alex Bowman three, it really doesn't affect them in the playoffs. And that's where my problem comes in. 
They don't take away a win. They don't take away any playoff. Yeah, they get bumped down the list as far as where they're ranked, but what they're doing is building up their playoff points bucket gets added to it anyway. So to me, they're still coming out ahead. It really isn't a penalty to them at this point, uh, for, for my opinion. I think that they need to look at of we're going to dock playoff points, we're going to take away a race win, which would equate to playoff points, something that affects them once the playoff starts because it's not pulling them out of the playoffs. It's bumping their seating a little bit, which costs them a few points. But to me, it really isn't a penalty that's hurting them, and a level one penalty should sting. <laughs> okay, Tommy. Yeah, I agree with you guys. Um, there definitely is going to be some speculation out there that this was a uh, intentional thing and not unintentional like they say it was. But um, maybe uh, that'll be on the junior download in years to come when they bring up some more cheating stories because <laughs> they seem to do that. They seem to do that a lot now. Some of them are pretty good. Like Daryl Waltrip has admitted a, a few good ones, and um, I think when they had Ty Norris on there, he admitted some things too. So. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it's common. These guys are, you know, trying to figure out ways to beat their competitors. So sometimes that stuff happens, but, um, I'm just, like I said, it's, I'm still kind of confused by it because I don't understand why you just wouldn't want to keep the engine for the 19. Um, and that's, that's pretty much all I have to add to it. I just don't see why you would waste that motor, even if it was unintentional or intentional doesn't seem like it was a good decision. And you guys are right, too. Um, that's just a slap on the wrist for a penalty. They need to do it in the playoffs to make it a little bit harsher if they're going to do it. Yeah, I agree. The penalty needs to be stiffer uh, for something like that because, again, it was a race-winning engine. Uh, it was put into another car to kind of help that team. And uh, I think that... Uh, that needs to be a big, big no-no <laughs> uh, from NASCAR's point of view. And if you're going to say it's a big no-no, then you need to respond accordingly and and um, and uh, and it's got to be a penalty that hurts the team. Uh, you know, a lot of these crew chiefs get uh, fined $50,000, and the organization pays that money. Uh, the, the crew chief never pays that money. Uh, Hendrick Motorsports going to pay that money. So uh, these guys are basically saying we've got you covered. If you do do something that you're not supposed to do, uh, we've got it covered, and uh, we'll cover whatever the fine is. Uh, so the crew chief doesn't really have any incentive uh, to not do it. Uh, and to Mike's point, not just from that perspective, but from the perspective that the team didn't lose anything. They're still going to be in the playoffs. They're still uh, Bowman still has, what, three wins? Uh, and um, uh, what's his name? Um, Chase Elliott still has the two, the one win. So what, what are they really hurting in that? What's really hurting them in that scenario? Absolutely nothing. Still going to be in there. Uh, even if they took a race win away, they're still going to be in the playoffs, and the seating is just going to be changed by one or two uh, positions. I think you sit them out for a race uh, in addition to taking a race win away uh, and, and 
and uh, really make it hurt. There's got to be something that makes it hurt a lot more than what they're doing because that's that's no discouragement for them uh, not trying that again at some point, uh, other than the fact that NASCAR is going to have a much closer eye on it uh, from here on out. So they're not going to be able to do it again. But uh, it, it needs to be a harsher penalty. So, Jay, your thoughts. The Jay the Hoosman Cup, you lose all your playoff points. Alex Bowman uh, would lose 15 points, Chase Elliott 11. And he does have two race wins, one race win being worth five points. So, uh, you know, taking the win, if we will, take the win away. Uh, my answer would be, yeah, you just you wipe all playoff points. If you get another one, possibly look at pushing them out of the playoffs, saying, hey, you got to, you know, you're out, you got to win again in the next, in this case, four races, you know, depending on when it happens, how many races you got left. But, yeah, uh, an L1 penalty, you lose your playoff eligibility if you've earned it. Uh, if, you do, if you're already below the line, that would be a little bit different scenario because you haven't won yet. Uh, and you're below the points line, then the points hurts because you got to try and get your way back in. But they could also say then your first set of playoff points there, the race win may lock you in, but you don't get the playoff points for it. Um, something to that effect where it hurts you once the playoffs start. Because uh, uh, trying to think there, said Alex Bowman didn't move at all from 11th in points. So when they reseed based on that, he's going to get the same points. I think Chase Elliott bumped one position. Uh, he'll go from above Joey Logano to below him. Uh, didn't get as far down as Martin Truex. So it cost him one or two, five points there as far as the reseeding. But if you take away those playoff points, okay, now you've got nothing to add to it. You start there where you're at in points. You don't get those bonuses. Do something that affects them even once the playoff starts. And if that comes to pushing them out and making them re-earn their way in, I can't say I'd be totally opposed to it. Maybe that's the answer. Maybe you take them out of it altogether and put them back in 20th place and they got to work their way back up. Um, by the way, Chase Elliott does have uh, two race wins. I think I said one. Yeah, he's got two. Mm-hmm. Okay. Anything more, Jay? Uh, no, that was it for me. Okay. So do you guys think we're done? Can we go ahead and end the show, or do I need to make my announcement? I think we're okay. good. We didn't have any other hot topics listed. Well, we didn't. Uh, and we'll certainly keep our eye on the future hot topics for next Thursday. Uh, and, uh, again, Tommy, I'm so glad you were able to be on the show here, uh, tonight because, uh, you always, uh, bring a, a great perspective and, uh, it's a lot more fun when it's more than just two people <laughs> chatting about hot topics. I enjoy chatting it with, uh, Jay Huseman, but, um, it's always a lot more fun when we have more people. So thank you for being available. Thanks for having me again. And I had fun tonight too. Okay. Uh, let's go ahead and start our roundtable, and, and we'll start with you, Tommy. Tommy underscore C24 at Cincinnati 5 Fan on Twitter. Um, 
feel like my tweets, and I just sent Sharon an article that we're going to be working on, um, and it'll be coming out soon. Okay, and that's about some of the changes that have already taken place and some potential changes. So uh, I, I like the article, and and uh, we're going to work on it and get it out soon. Okay, uh, Jay? Uh, you can follow me, Facebook, Michael Hoosman, MoparMJ8 on Twitter and Instagram. And I know, Sharon, I got a couple things uh, to get to you. I've uh, been super busy here with our ZBS at the church Saturday, going directly from that to Jackson Motor Speedway, your capital city raceway. Got some big provisionals on the line for our All-American race in November, so going to be a huge weekend there. And then hopefully uh, be able to get some of this stuff to you, Sharon. Okay, sounds good. Now, just uh, another programming note. I gave it earlier in this night, but I want to do it again. We are not going to be on the air for the next two Monday nights because there are no NASCAR races for us to review. Uh, They are on a two-week break for the Olympic uh, uh, games that are going on uh, during this two weeks and won't be returning until August 7th and 8th. So uh, don't look for us on Monday night. We're not going to be here, uh, but we will be back uh, here on Thursday night to do a review preview of the ARCA races. So look for us this coming Thursday night uh, to be back on air here with Jay Huseman. So with that, uh, I think we're uh, ready to give a big shout-out to our listeners and to our fan for racing crew. Uh, I appreciate all that you guys do, and I'm looking forward to uh, being back on air with you guys next Thursday night. All right. Talk to you Thursday. Okay. We're ready to call it a wrap. Good night, everybody. Enjoy the racing weekend. Good night. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.